everyone. This is the Introfish podcast. Uh, it's Rachel Matter here, one of the editors, uh, and I'm here with Kim Tran, our reporter from New York, and Lola Navarro, our reporter from our London office. Uh, we're all three here at the China Show this week in Qingdao. We're all exhausted after three days of uh, shaking hands and getting the latest stories. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. It's been a it's been a really good three days. Um, Kim spent the day before the show. Um, at a Norwegian Seafood Council event. Obviously, China is really opening up for the Norwegians now since the embargo has been lifted. Um, so there's a lot of Norwegian companies here and they're all pretty excited about what's happening, I think. Right, Kim? Um, yeah, so this year there's actually um, doubled the number of Norwegian companies at the NSC Pavilion. There's Last year there was nine or ten. This year there's 20. Um, so they're definitely making a big push to have a big presence here in China this year. And uh, at the NSC event, they asked Promar Consulting to research the Chinese seafood sector um, over the summer. They had just finished their research and they presented uh, their findings. They had uh, Promar Consulting look into 13 species and determine the opportunities and potential for that species and Norwegian companies in the Chinese market. Uh, the species it ranged everything from Greenland halibut, Atlantic mackerel, herring, crab, saith, and a bunch more. Is it? Do you think it's realistic that Norway is going to have a big market in China? I mean, while they've been out of the picture, Chile has has definitely built up its business here. Um, Lola, maybe you can tell us something about that. You've been seeing some of the Chilean companies. Yes, so I was seeing a, a few Chilean companies and also New World Currents, which is a group that comprises a few Chilean companies exporting to China. And of course, there is a bit of concern about China opening back to Norway, but um, they said there is nothing clear yet as of when they're going to start uh, exporting big volumes. And also, they were saying that they've got, as you're saying, a, a very good presence in China at the moment. They're Exports to the country have been very, very good for the past years, and they are confident that this is going to continue. Do you think Norway coming back in will affect uh, prices for Chilean salmon at all? Did you hear anything about that? Well, you know, the word out there is that uh, there has been a lot of Norwegian salmon coming into China through other countries. So they were not very worried about volumes. But... uh, Obviously, Norway is a big country in marketing, and what I think is more concerning is the fact that they are going to push their brand in China, and that has always been a bit of a headache for the Chileans in, in other markets, and I think that could be the case again in this market. So I'm not sure about prices. They were they didn't seem to be very worried about that, but yeah, I think they're, they're more uh, worried about the brand itself. Okay, well, that'll be interesting to watch for sure. Um, of course, it's not just Chileans uh, who are here from from South America. There are a lot of Ecuadorian um, and Argentinian shrimp producers here. Um, their presence has obviously been growing year on year, and we've spoken about that before. But Lola, coming back to you again, what have what have you been hearing from them in terms of how the Chinese market is for their for their shrimp? Well, you know, the Argentinian and the Ecuadorian shrimp is a different product. One of them is wild catch, and the other one is farmed, as you know. But they compete. Directly, I was hearing uh, last month in Ecuador that Argentinian shrimp was actually the main competitor for Ecuador in Europe, and it also happens apparently in Asia. They're they're both coming, and 
there are high prices at the moment. And for what I heard today, also the Chinese market at the moment is not um, quite ready to pay for the Argentinian shrimp prices because the last season that was a week ago and was the international water season closed the prices of $780 per kilo and the Chinese uh, buyers are only buying up to $740 and they are not buying higher than that. So the processors are struggling to put the product out there at the prices that they need. What is happening is that China is buying reprocessed shrimp, which is, uh, of course, cheaper. And yeah, that's a trend that's been now going on for a while and and it's expected to to continue. But the Argentinian processors are okay with that because there are other markets, such as the US, buying at the prices that they have. So they don't, they don't have a lack of buyers. Uh, whereas the Ecuadorians have told me that prices at the moment have gone up because it's been colder than usual. So um, sizes are smaller and in China they're demanding bigger sizes. And also there is less harvest. They are still going to end up with a more harvest than last year, but less than expected. And that's brought uh, prices of Ecuadorian shrimp up. So it's, it's, it's very interesting because they're competing and they also have a... Um, very hesitant consumer or, or buyer in China at the moment. So they're trying to place their product, but they need to make it at the price they want to. So it's mm. it's a very interesting um, situation at the moment. Mm, an interesting dynamic. So I've been speaking uh, mainly to a lot of the, the Chinese companies here. Um, and what always strikes me with Chinese companies is their, is their size. But aside from the sheer size of volumes, uh, there is definitely also uh, an increasing move towards towards value addition and not just that traditional value addition of, of breading shrimp or filleting or freezing. Um, I came across a company today who was who, who had a distinctly different vibe than than a lot of Chinese companies that I've come across. Um, and they were very much focused not on the volumes, although they are actually doing quite a lot, but um, on the value addition and on the packaging and on the brand. Um, and they're doing smoked salmon in Shanghai. Uh, which is interesting. Not many companies in China are doing smoked salmon. Uh, they're selling half of it to the domestic market. Um, so they said it was it was challenging to convert the Chinese to smoked salmon. Um, the Chinese are more used to salmon as uh, a sushi product, certainly premium salmon. So there, they're working hard uh, to convert the Chinese to smoked salmon. And if that happens, uh, that market could really open up, I think, for uh, some European and, and US producers too. So that's that's interesting. Speaking of products, uh, I think Kim and Lola, you both saw some interesting new product releases this year. Um, Kim, you, you spoke to Trident, right? Yes. There were quite a few companies who had value-added skin packs there, and one of them was Trident. And um, Trident, they said that they had never had value-added products before that were tailored for the Chinese markets. And this was their first time going into it. They, they had six different ones from Wild Sockeye to wild cod portions. They looked really nice, the packaging, I loved it. And it, they're going into e-commerce first to build up the brand recognition and get the word out there on their new products. But then they hope, along with the other companies who had new skin pack products for the Chinese market, they all hope to eventually get into Chinese retailers. And Lolo, who, what did you speak to Leroy about? Yeah, so I spoke to the partners in China, which is a company called uh, Qingdao Spring Seafoods. They were actually launching this uh, new range of products, also skin-packed. They had mostly cod, but also a little bit of salmon from, from Leroy. This 
company had already been processing Leroy's fish for a couple of years under another brand. But now they launched this uh, Norway Seafoods brand in China. And they were very excited about this new launch. They are now on the shelves of a good few retailers. And also they said that they are going to sell on e-commerce. And they're positioning themselves as one of the uh, providers of the best seafood in the world. So that's that's what they're trying to do with the Norwegian uh, brand as a whole. And they're doing it with Leroy's Fish. Hmm. Interesting. So we've definitely seen that value addition um, is becoming more of a trend uh, for the Chinese market itself. But obviously, a lot of the Chinese companies are still reprocessing, importing, reprocessing um, in bulk for other markets to be shipped back out to other markets. Um, and obviously, in the in the past couple of years, the, the Chinese reprocessing industry hasn't necessarily had the best name for itself. Um, our esteemed colleague, Drew Cherry, um, wrote a column recently on double frozen products um, and whether its increasingly bad reputation uh, was going to kind of end the practice of, of double freezing product. Um, Kim Trident said something interesting about what they were doing with that. Yeah, so one of the big things that they were um, wanting to promote and feature about this new value added product was the fact that it was single frozen. I think that's a big feature that they're using to distinguish its product from a lot of the double frozen processed seafood in China. And how are they doing that? Um, so they actually are, they have a, they were telling me the different methods that they use to do the single frozen process. One of them was on, on board their ships, they process it completely and then they freeze it on their ships, send it frozen over to China and there it stays frozen and it's, it's skin pack to order. And these are single portion skin packs. So the entire time it's frozen only once. I mean, it's incredible to me that that is cheaper than packing in the US, but <laughs> but I guess that's the way it is. But I, the question being, will it be that way for much longer? We all know that Chinese labor costs are rising, although they're still nowhere near those of, of countries like the US or, or, or in Europe. But there have been rumors um, that Vietnam is is kind of threatening China's reprocessing crown and that some product is now being sent there as opposed to China. Uh, we'd have heard that from a few people. I mean, the Chinese processors I spoke to certainly didn't seem to think that Vietnam was really that much of a threat to them. Um, they said it was small volumes going into Vietnam and that really the country didn't have the capacity or the their workers didn't have the skills and they didn't have the logistics really to compete on any level with China. Um, obviously, they would say that, but <laughs> but nonetheless, Kim, did you you I think you heard something to the same effect? Yeah, overall, I I've definitely been hearing that, and I actually talked to Vasip, and they also said um, yes, we're seeing that there are Chinese coming in um, to do processing, but didn't seem like a concern at all to them. Um, that was her Oh, so that's Chinese companies coming into Vietnam yes. and using factory space? Yes. Okay, yes. okay. Um, and they said that uh, it's not happening on a big enough scale to where it was a trend. And she said the word trend, that it, this is not becoming a trend at all. It is happening, but it's she didn't seem worried or concerned about it. Okay, okay. I mean, one interesting thing that is happening between China and Vietnam, um, having spoken to people at the show, and both Kim and I heard this, was that China is now, um, well, the figure I heard was, was buying 50% of Vietnam's uh, Pangasius, um, which is pretty incredible. Um, 
and the price has gone up considerably. Um, we've all heard stories about there being a lack of raw material in the processing factories. Um, and one, uh, one guy I spoke to in Vietnam said that was really more to do with farmers keeping product in the ponds, uh, waiting for the ever-increasing price to go even higher up um, because of all the Chinese, Chinese interest um, then they're actually being a shortage of product. So that's that's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, so I definitely have been hearing that uh, VASIP, they, they said that last year the main export markets for Pangasius was in order US, Europe, then China. And as of right now, um, China has surpassed Europe. So China's right under the United States and some of the Pangasius companies I spoke to, they said that China's quickly reaching import volumes of the United States. Uh, one company told me that it actually has jumped by 68% year on year, and the prices are following. They're quite high. I heard they were, yeah, I heard they were well above what, the, what they should be. Someone I spoke to actually said that the price was almost a third higher than what it's normally at, so... Um... That will be interesting to watch. Um, I think there's some doubt over why the Chinese are buying up all this Pangasius. We will keep you updated on that and find out what we can. Um, and in the meantime, we are going to go and get some hot pot mm-hmm. before yep. we head off home to our various countries. In the meantime, please follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at Intrafish. We're on LinkedIn. We're on Facebook. Uh, we're on YouTube. Um, also follow the blog for more information on what we've covered at the China Show. There's been a lot of stories and you can find that uh, at Intrafish.com. So until next time, goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.